Bismillah alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salam ala rasulillah. So yes. Yes, you're not supposed to use, oh, I'll follow it up as, with good deeds. You're not supposed to use that concept as a crutch to lean on. And in fact, when you look at the good deeds that are the most common, that we are most encouraged to do, we know that, for example, salat, five times a day you're supposed to pray. Allah Ta'ala says what? Inna salata tanha anil fahsha'i wal munkar. That salat prevents you, it prevents you, prohibits you from immorality and wrongdoing. In other words, it's supposed to have that effect. It's not supposed to be, oh, I do my prayer, which is really good, and then I swing back to all sorts of haram and then back forth. No, the salat is supposed to clean up your behavior in between the salawat, in between the prayers, it's supposed to clean up your behavior. Allah Ta'ala says what? That the only people who truly fear Allah are those of knowledge. In other words, it's not enough to gain a lot of knowledge and say, okay, I study deen and then I do haram. I study deen and then I do haram. That balances it out. No, if you truly are gaining ilm, if you are really an alim, then what does that mean? You should be the most akhsha person. You should be the person who fears Allah the most. Based on this ayah. Abdullah ibn Umar says, لَرَدُّ دَانِقٍ مِنْ حَرَامٍ أَفْضَلُ مِنْ مِئَةِ أَلْفٍ تُنْفَقُ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ He says, to return one-sixth of a dirham, to just return a little bit of money that is not mine, doesn't belong to me, and just return it to its rightful owner, is actually preferred to me, I prefer it over spending a hundred thousand dirham or dirhams in Allah's way. In other words, I would rather not make sure that I don't take somebody else's haqq, take somebody else's right, even if it's a small amount, because that's haram. As opposed to doing lots and lots of good extra deeds, of just giving in charity so, 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 so much. No, I'd rather stay away from even the little bit of haram. Which goes to show again, look at the mentality. Yes, you could do lots of good, big, great deeds, but it's even more important to say, look, even if my deeds are small, I stay away from haram. That's so important. Al-Hassan al-Basri, rahimullah, has another quote as well. مَا عَبْدَ الْعَابِدُونَ that the worshippers of Allah don't worship in worship Allah in any way better than avoiding what Allah has forbidden them. That is the best way that you can worship Allah. Stay away from what Allah has forbidden you. Uh, Umar ibn, uh, ibn Abdul Aziz uh, radiallahu anhu says, he says, God consciousness isn't fasting all day, praying all night, and then mixing that with wickedness in between. That's not it. Rather, God consciousness is what? Is leaving what Allah has prohibited, performing what Allah has obliged, and whoever is provided with more than that, after any sort of good after that, then that's goodness upon goodness. That's good, more, it's, it's good, but that's not the objective. The objective mainly, stay away from haram. SubhanAllah. Now, there is of course exceptions to this with regards to the extreme scenarios. We talked about this. And, and this, is, this also brings up another legal maxim, which is, Al-Mashaqqatu tajlibu al-taysir. Al-Mashaqqatu tajlibu al-taysir. Which means what? Hardship begets facility. Hardship draws or begets or leads to facility. In other words, when things get harder on you, then the, the, the sharia is made in such a way that there is more rukhas or, or, or exceptions or concessions that you are given. And a good example of this is what? A traveler is allowed to break his fast and combine his prayers and to shorten his prayers. This means that, why? Because of the increase in mashaqqa, therefore Allah Ta'ala makes it easier upon you. Same thing with ignoring small amounts of najasa. Anybody could theoretically say, hey, because there's potentially some najasa on the carpet, we have to you know, spray the whole place, place with Purell after every single salah. That's not, no, that's not, pure, uh, that's not realistic. These little amounts, that are uh, not, you can't see it or you can't smell it, it's not evident, then you can simply ignore it. And inshallah ta'ala, Allah ta'ala forgives the things that are ex uh, extra that can't be really taken account of. Same thing with transactions. Sometimes people say, listen, I'm doing a transaction with somebody and 
I'm worried that maybe there's a small percentage that is doubtful because this guy, I think his money's involved in this, that, and the other. Look, if the, if the transaction that you're doing with this person in and of itself is halal, and it, it's just a bit shady on the side, then these type of things can be dropped. These type of things can be dropped. If he's doing something that is purely, obviously wrong, then yes, of course you stay away. But if it's just a question of there's an element or there's a, a, just a little bit of room for doubt, then we can't become obsessive and compulsive to the point where we uh, basically back ourselves in a corner where nothing is possible, we can't do anything. So all these are different ideas of when it comes to concessions and exemptions. Another example in the Qur'an is, after Allah Ta'ala describes the different types of foods that are haram or meats that are haram, Allah says, فَمَنِ الضُّرَّ uh, That Allah says, but whoever is forced by necessity, as in not desiring it, nor transgressing its limits, then indeed your Lord is off forgiving and merciful. So, you know, the classic example of somebody stranded on an island, the only food they can eat is, let's say, pork, there's just pigs running around, then yes, just to save your life, you can have only as much as would save your life. Obviously, you don't indulge, but this is uh, the classic example, and Allah Ta'ala mentions this. When is an exception allowed? When is an exception clearly allowed? There are certain, uh, uh, you know, points that need to be kept in mind. Number one, an exception is made because something is a vital threat. We mentioned that one. Life, family, limb, etc. Large amounts of wealth, etc. Number two, it must be actual and not, not, not hypothetical. That's a very, very important one. I remember, you know, oh, Islamophobia is around, therefore I have to shave my beard because somebody might attack me. Somebody might insult me. I can't wear the hijab. Why? Because I heard in another state, somebody else was insulted when they were walking down the street because they were wearing hijab. Therefore, because of the hypothetical of danger, I need to remove the hijab or take off the beard or, whatever, or not go to Jum'ah or whatever the case is. No, you can't give yourself these ruhas or these exceptions due to hypotheticals. It has to be an actual threat. It won't lead to a greater harm. Obviously, if you say, listen, I, I, I'm going to give myself the exception and do something haram. Why? Because to save myself, but it's going to lead to a greater harm. Like, for example, it's going to put somebody else in a state of harm. Then that's not allowed. A classic example is, if somebody says, again, going back to the example, somebody puts a gun to me and says, uh, 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 you have to uh, bow down to this idol. Then I'm allowed to say, okay, fine, sure, I'll bow down just to save my life. That's allowed. But if he says... I'm putting a gun to your head, now you have to pick up this knife and go stab Brother Shamil. Right? Sorry, Brother Shamil. Right? Now, am I allowed to do that? I'm sorry about these horrible examples. It's like, God, this guy's violent. Why does he come up, come up with these terrible examples? I'm sorry. But these are, I mean, hopefully gets the point across. Uh, 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 am I allowed to do that? And the answer is no. I'm not allowed to do that. I'm not allowed to say, to save my own life, I'll take the knife and I'll, and I'll kill him. No, I'm not allowed to do that. Uh, I have to just say, Sorry, I'm not going to do it. He says, oh, but I'll kill you. I said, okay, well, you do whatever you got to do. That's, that's too bad for me. But alhamdulillah, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go kill uh, this brother. I, I'm, not, I'm not allowed to do that. You're not allowed. Islamically, you're not allowed. By the way, this is a really important, important, very important point when it comes to certain political situations. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but you know, sometimes you hear in certain Muslim countries the idea that, oh, if we don't comply and shoot into the crowd, then the government is going to execute us. Right? And so then the question is, well, are you allowed to take a life in order to save your life? And so anyway, this issue becomes uh, very relevant. So I'll leave it at that, inshallah ta'ala. I'm not going to go into details because, you know, you could say, well, it's an army situation. And was there a rebellion? It was, a, was it valid? Da, 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 da. And so th there's a lot of details there that I'm not going to get into. But I just, I'm just saying this is something that needs to be considered. Are you allowed to take a life in order to save, a, save your own life? Uh, uh, the, general, the general rule like I said, is no, uh, with the example that I gave. If a gun's pointed at me and they tell me, go stab him, I say, I'm not going to stab him, you can do whatever you want. Um, yes, and of course it should be restricted to the bare minimum. 
like the example of pork. You just have the bare minimum to stay, stay alive, uh, not indulging in a feast, for instance. Getting more amenities is not considered a necessity. Allow me to say that again, because I've heard this a thousand times, perhaps. Brother, in this country, you know, the only way you can really get a house, I mean, we can't rent, you know, we have to get a house, and therefore, you know, uh, riba, it's okay, and this and that. No, no, the exception is not allowed for amenities. It's not allowed for amenities. It's allowed for necessities, like the, the extreme, extreme examples I was giving. Clearly, uh, 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 an apartment versus a home, this is not um, uh, uh, a, a, um, an exception. This brings up the legal maxim, uh, maxim which is, This is another legal maxim that says what? That preventing harm takes precedence over producing a benefit. So in other words, you might say, I deserve a ruqsa, I deserve a exception or a concession. For what reason? Because the issue that we're dealing with isn't purely evil. Well, it doesn't have to be purely evil for it to be haram. For instance, Allah Ta'ala even says, what? When it comes to khamr wal the uh, uh, alcohol and gambling, قُلْ فِيهِمَا إِثْمٌ كَبِيرٌ وَمَنَافِعُ لِلنَّاسِ that Allah says that, say that in terms of this wine and gambling, in them is a great sin and some benefit for people, but the sin is greater than the benefit. So even if you can say, listen, again going back to the example of riba, look brother, there's a lot of good if we in, in, engage in this riba system. Yes, I acknowledge that. Same thing with alcohol, same thing with uh, gambling. There could be benefits, right? A lot of uh, gambling uh, uh, casinos, I lived, in, I lived in Vegas. Uh, so so a, lot of, a lot of casinos, what they say is, oh, a certain percentage of our wealth goes to charity. And therefore, we are justifying our you know, sin by putting some money towards uh, you know, a good cause. Don't you want this cause to benefit? Don't you want us to uh, you know, fund this uh, you know, school or, or uh, a hospital? Whatever the case is, don't you think this is good? Therefore, the harm outweighs, outweighs the benefit. No, we, we don't have the right to make these decisions on our own. Allah Ta'ala is the one who has given us the sharia so that we don't just say, well, I think... When I weigh it out, it ends up like this. Uh, uh, that's not up to you. This is Allah Ta'ala's deen. And therefore, uh, yes, we can't just simply say, well, oh, there's some good, and therefore we uh, ignore the fact that it is haram. Final portion of the uh, hadith, the final two statements is, فَإِنَّمَا أَهْلَكَ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ كَثْرَةُ مَسَائِلِهِمْ That indeed the people before you, they went, they were destroyed by their excessive questioning. So this brings up the classic question of what's the difference between good questions and excessive or bad questions. And the answer to that is that good questions, we've seen examples of that mostly from the angels, subhanAllah. When it comes to the hadith Jibreel, Jibreel alayhi salam was showing us, this is how you come up to the Prophet These are the type of questions that you ask. What is Islam? What is Iman? What is Ihsan? What, when is the hour? SubhanAllah, trying to learn the deen close to the Prophet showing this honor and reverence and respect to the Prophet This is how you ask questions. This is one angel teaching us how to ask questions and how you could say that questions are an angelic thing to do based on that. Based on the other ayah in which Allah Ta'ala says, وَإِذْ قَالَ رَبُّكَ لِلْمَلَائِكَةِ إِنِّي جَاعِلٌ فِي الْأَرْضِ خَلِيفَةً And mention when your Lord said, I said to the angels, I will indeed make upon this earth a successive authority, a khalifa. They said, will you place upon it one who causes corruption therein and sheds blood while we declare your praises and sanctify you? So they're asking. Is it haram to ask a question? Clearly not. Another example of angels asking questions. Uh, trying to figure out, Ya Allah, we want to worship you even better. We want to understand you even better. We want to be even closer to you, so we're asking questions to learn even more. So subhanAllah, questions are not a bad thing at all. In fact, you could say they are in, an, angelic in their nature, subhanAllah, based on these uh, specific 
uh, narrations and, and uh, ayat. However, uh, there are examples of bad questions. Allah Ta'ala says, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا لَا تَسْأَلُوا عَنْ, عن أَشْيَاءٍ إِن تُبْدَ لَكُمْ تَسُؤْكُمْ That Allah Ta'ala says, what? Oh, you who have believed, do not ask about things which, if they are shown to you, will distress you. In other words, they will cause you some sort of harm. What does that mean? It means going into excessively hypothetical questions. Questions that may never come up, but just for the sake of interest, let's ask hypotheticals. In fact, Zayd ibn Thabit, when he was asked something, he, when he was asked any question, he would say, هذا, Did this happen? And if they said in response, نعم, Then he would narrate what he knew. However, يكون, if they said, No, this is a hypothetical, this never took place, he would say, He said, Then leave it until it actually happens. Don't ask me about hypotheticals. The world is complicated enough. We have enough things that are really happening that we need to deal with. We don't need to deal with hypothetical situations that have not taken place. So that's not necessary. So that's one example, hypotheticals. Another one of questions that don't benefit are what? Excessive details for no reason. Al-Awza'i, who he said what? إِذَا أَرَادَ اللَّهُ أَنْ يَحْرِمَ عَبْدَهُ بَرَكَةَ الْعِلْمِ أَلْقَى عَلَى لِسَانِهِ الْأَغَالِيطِ He says, when Allah Ta'ala wants to prevent a servant of his from getting the blessing of knowledge, what does he do? He makes his tongue busy with perplexing problems. SubhanAllah. When Allah Ta'ala doesn't wants to give somebody, put somebody in hardship and wants to take away the barakah of their end. Maybe they're insincere. Maybe they're only studying end to, to show off. What does Allah do? Allah busies, busies them with perplexing, nonsense, detailed issues, gets them busy in that and sends them off on a trail. And they're all dealing with things that don't even make sense or don't even matter, but they're just obsessed with it. And subhanAllah, they waste their life with that. Yes, questions just for the sake of fun. Asking questions just for the sake of ridicule. Asking questions just to be obstinate. And the best example of that is Bani Israel, right? Slaughter a cow. What color is the cow? How big is the cow? Has the cow worked or not? Just, just they, they didn't care. They, 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 clearly, they couldn't care less. The, they were only asking these questions. Why? Because they were trying to avoid, avoid doing what they were told. And I always give the example of a young kid who's told, clean your room. What? I said, clean your room. Why? Because it's dirty. What do you mean, why? You know, when? Now, now clean your room. Like, he's not, it's not that he's unclear. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen kids do this. It's not like the kid doesn't understand. You know, when and why and how. You know all the answers. You're just asking because you're trying to dodge or you're trying to be obstinate or you're trying to avoid, etc., etc. And this is from our predecessors, Al-Yahud. And uh, Allah Ta'ala says what? إِنَّ أَعْظَمَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ جُرْمًا مَنْ سَأَلَ عَنْ شَيْءٍ لَمْ يُحَرَّمْ فَحُرِّمَ مِنْ أَجْلِ مَسْأَلَتِهِ The most sinful amongst the Muslims is the one who asks about things which uh, uh, had he not asked, these things would not have become prohibited, but it was prohibited because of his asking. And this is exactly the example given. That Bani Israel, they could have taken any cow. If they were just sincere enough to go take a cow. But because they said, give us details, Allah said, okay, specifically the yellow one. Why yellow? Well, that you can see the correlation, I'm sure. You know, the golden calf, Bani Israel worshipping the golden calf, and I go slaughter the yellow cow, right? I'm sure you guys caught that, right? <laughs> these are the details. These are the details of Quran. That's supposed to you're supposed to catch uh, these these interesting little uh, tidbits. Subhanallah. But anyway, point is that what did they tell them? No, you have to make this one more specific and this one more specific. And so that became fard upon them. And any cow now was haram upon them because somebody was insincere and made it more and more and more specific. And so this is a terrible thing to do. Look, when you're given a command, just do your best. Try and don't become obsessive. Obviously, try to clarify if things are unclear. But ask questions in a healthy way. But don't just for the sake of intellectual, you know, just to, to show off or to argue, don't ask unnecessary questions. Rather, try to implement your deen and, and, and seek to purify your heart. Another example from our predecessors, 
is an Nasara, the Christians. What did they do? They were asking about the Ashabul Kahf, the, the companions of the cave. They call them the seven sleepers. Apparently, they, the, the Catholics have concluded that they were uh, uh, seven. Wallah uh, alam. You know, it's, it's well known in Christian history, this, the story of the seven sleepers from Turkey, and that they, this is, they have a whole history about them. Um, but anyway, the, the, Allah Ta'ala talks about how the Nasara, they had all these debates. Were they three and the dog was the fourth? Were they uh, five and the, the dogs were the sixth? Or was it, you know, and they're going back and forth. You know, it's like asking, you know, what color was their shoes? And, and, and you know, uh, did they have a hat on like this or did they have a hat like that? Or who cares? What are you talking about? The whole story is about how these people were believers. They stood up to the tyrants. They said, I don't care what you say. We're only going to worship Allah. And Allah Ta'ala gave them a miracle. These were not prophets, right? These weren't even adults. They weren't even grown men. They weren't warriors. They were just young kids that were sincere to Allah. And look what Allah did with them. This is an incredible story. And all you think about is, yeah, but what, were they, did they wear a tie or did they wear... What are you talking about? Who cares? Get the point of the story. It's actually important. So subhanAllah, this is again, two examples. One from Bani Israel, uh, the, the Jews, and one from the Christians. Uh, prior to us, subhanAllah, Allah gave us both examples. One in Surah Baqarah, one in Surah Kath. Final portion of the hadith, and then we're done. Allah, uh, the Prophet says what? And they're differing with their prophets. And what is the idea here? That when you become used to and comfortable with bickering and rebelling against one another, eventually you develop the arrogance to start questioning everything and everybody. So if, uh, if we get into the habit of spending all night talking about hypotheticals and bickering about little things, and I, my opinion is this, and well, my opinion is that, and I think this, and I think that, and everybody has an opinion about every little thing, even though it's non, not useful, it's hypothetical, you're di digging into issues that won't benefit you, you're going into details that have no purpose of doing so. When you get used to that, you develop a level of arrogance where now you're going to start questioning the Prophet you're going to start questioning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you're going to start questioning everything. Why? Because it becomes like a habit that you fed so much. So this kathratu su'al naturally leads to what? وَاخْتِلَافُهُمْ عَلَىٰ أَنْبِيَائِهِمْ For them to disagree and to fight with and to argue with their prophets. So may Allah Ta'ala protect us from all of these qualities. And with that, inshallah Ta'ala, we close. وَصَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَىٰ سَيْدِ مُحَمَّدُ وَعَلَىٰ أَلِهُ وَصَحْبِهُ وَسَلَمُ